We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the men from Odo, and you're listening to episode 88, Demirror. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers with me again this week. How are you, sir? I'm feeling devious, David. How about you? I am good. How's uh, how's your drafting been going these days? Really good. I've had a lot of fun drafting this set. Um, I, I have some thoughts that we'll get into a little bit later that relate specifically to MTG Arena, uh, which did lead me to a little hiatus to come and try drafting on Magic Online again. And surprise of surprises, it's actually really, really well done on Magic Online. I had a blast doing that. And then Quick Draft came out today. I had some fun there. I drafted my first off-color guild, uh, which I'm super proud of. Chat was making fun of me while I was doing it and saying that I'm crazy. I drafted a blue-white deck and just smushed. It was so good. It was all flying stuff and mentors. And I had a lot of fun with that. So I've really been enjoying the new set. That's awesome. Yeah, me too. I actually um, drafted on Magic Online not on stream the other day and it was kind of like that's like something i don't normally do um you, if you I'm played magic offline. for fun i played magic for fun yeah you know if i'm drafting offline it's usually on arena but uh this time around i was like you know what i'm gonna fire up magic online we're gonna take something serious seriously here and it uh it was good fun so i've got five drafts on magic online underneath my belt i did one comp draft and then obviously a bunch of sealed as well so uh arena significantly better than my mtgo experience i think i'm still over 71 percent on magic arena unfortunately magic online not so good i've had a couple of two ones a one two and an o2 and the o2 hurt me a lot yeah yeah those are pretty brutal i I have done uh i think we counted today 25 drafts uh so I, i have some opinions about draft okay i'm sure you have more opinions than i um well do i don't have... know about more but better <laughs> valid more valid opinions <laughs> than mine. yeah what are what are some of the like first week drafting impressions that you have um aside from off guild white blue mentor uh being an actual thing it's difficult to talk about this without talking about what i wanted to get into with the arena stuff um because i'm hearing people say things like demir and boros are just the best two guilds and you should always be playing them. And if you're not, you're doing it wrong. And I, I don't actually believe that that's the case. Uh, that was one of the things I went to Magic Online to kind of test out and get to play with some. And I did have a Demir deck there. It wasn't as good as the ones I was able to get on Arena. Uh, but I also had a Celestia deck and an Izzet deck that did quite well. So I, I, I think all of the guilds are balanced. I, I've, I've heard people in chat complaining about Undergrowth is too hard to enable. Um, MJ, Michael Jacob had actually said that he thought the erstwhile trooper you remember that one it's uh three mana two two you can discard a card to, a creature card to give it plus two plus two and trample until mm-hmm. end of turn and then there's the three one that mills you for three when it comes into play mm-hmm. he said he thought if those two cards were swapped rarity if the erstwhile trooper was uncommon and the three one was common that golgari would be a much better deck and i think he's probably right about that um, but that said, I still think the deck functions and works, and I, I haven't seen bad versions of them. So I, I don't think there were any cards that like super over or underperformed. Um, I was questioning whether or not uh, disinformation campaign it, you would have time to do that, and as it turns out, you got time to do that. Go right ahead. Um, Dawn yeah. of Hope has also impressed me a lot. If we're going to talk about some specific cards. I, I was not really thinking we were going to get much out of that card, and it single-handedly won me a few games. It's interesting, because I think there are... I gave you a hard time, because you were poo-pooing it on stream one day, and um, I think I think the, the truth is somewhere in the middle between us, where um, there's definitely decks that don't want it. Um, like, if you're a hyper-aggressive Boros deck, you just don't have time for it, but I think it fits really well into either a slow, like a mid-range Boros deck, or any kind of Slesnia deck, is what it felt like to me. And um, that's kind of the way that white 
seems to draw its card in the for- cards in this format is is through Dawn of Hope. That's pretty much all you got. What's the uh, browbeat card? The Punisher Red card with flashback. Risk- Risk factor. Risk factor. I've actually had, I think, a revelation about risk factor, what it's for, why it's there. And it, initially, anyone that looks at it, it's impossible not to have risk factor colored by your previous experience with Punisher mechanics or your lack thereof. So Punisher mechanics uh, are, uh, we call it's a shorthand. I think the actual card was called Punisher or something like that. I can't remember. But it's where your opponent gets a choice. They can choose one thing or another thing, and they're always going to choose what's worse for you. And typically, these cards have always been pretty bad in limited, uh, unless functionally the choice was about the same. Uh, Tribute was a version of that that they had in Born of the Gods. And I remember there was a card, it was a, a three mana centaur, and your opponent could either let you put a plus one, plus one counter on it, or let you give it haste. It's like, functionally, it didn't matter. It was still a good solid three drop, regardless of which choice they gave you. Um, so the, the closer the choices get, the better Punisher cards are. But what I figured out about Risk Factor is, if you've played with Punisher cards in the past, you're probably undervaluing it and thinking that it's just not playable. And if you haven't played with Punisher cards in the past, you probably get really excited about this card and think it's a bomb, and it's not. It's it's playable, but it's playable, in, in my experience so far, in an is it deck. Boros does not want it. It wants creatures to curve out with and mentor into, and it wants removal spells and combat tricks, and every single card in your Boros deck is there for a reason. It is a finely tuned machine. Is it just wants to trigger the spells matter stuff? Like, if I have a leapfrog in play when I cast it, I don't care whether you take the damage or give me the cards. Because, like, it, it's not just the four damage off the card. It's the four damage off the card plus the three from the leapfrog plus, you know, the extra point that I'm getting on off of my wall. So, like, that's where it, it really becomes a serious choice. So, like, that was a card where initially I thought this is garbage because it's a Punisher card. And I just know that Punisher cards are garbage. But I tried it out in Boros and in Izzet. And in Boros, it was really, really bad. And in Izzet, it was pr- it was pretty good. That's interesting because I think it was last week where I speculated that it might there might be a home for it in a Boros deck as you know your opponent starts at effectively sixteen or twelve life if you have that in your hand, um, but I can see not being able to cast it because you just want to be able to curve out. Um, the Izzet deck obviously makes sense, and the fact that it's instant speed I think is really cool too. Um, yeah. Because if you are holding up things like uh, counter spells or chemistry's insights or whatever give your wee dragonauts plus one plus two plus zero at instant speed or something like that um if you're on defense there's a lot of different things you can go in go into that and the fact that it has jumpstart like if it didn't have jumpstart i'm not interested at all the fact that i can get probably four damage and probably four car- or three cards off of it later in the game i think is really interesting yeah it, it, like i said I, I believe it's playable but it, it wants to be an is it mm-hmm. um can we talk about green just for a second here? Sure. Okay. So I think I figured out what I don't like about green. Okay. Two things. One is prey upon. Yeah, you're not wrong. Right. So my my big problem with prey upon is that um I mean it's I think it's I think it's secretly a Selesnia card. Um because Selesnia has a bunch of those four fours that you can get out for cheap. Um but if you're playing like Golgari, let's say, all your stuff that you can prey upon with is so expensive that you don't really have a good opportunity to prey upon. And you probably want the uh, the four mana prey upon instead, right? The death touch one. Yeah, and nobody wants that. I mean, actually, I've seen it do some some things. If you're running, like, um, lots of burglar rats or hitchclaw recluses and things like that, like, it, it can be effective there, but it's really just a four mana prey upon at that point. Like, you're not getting any extra value off of it, usually. Yeah. The other thing is... Um, and maybe maybe it's just a problem with Golgari. Maybe it's fine in Selesnya again. Is is Siegeworm is just the, the my problem with Siegeworm is if you're casting it on curve, quote unquote. Um, so you're casting, let's say, on turn five or turn well, five is probably on curve. I would say for for Siegeworm, and you tap out your board to do it, and your opponent kills it. You're just getting a bunch of damage, and now like great, my my Siegeworm is luminous bonded or something like that. Um, basically, everything in the format kills it with the exception of Lava Coil. And you've just spent all your mana, tapped all your things, and you played a threat that just got removed that didn't do anything. The other problem I have with it is, obviously, it's just dead in your hand if you have nothing on board, because it's a 7-drop. And the 5-5 gets outclassed by so many things in this format, it feels like. 
I haven't felt like it's gotten outclassed. It's just gotten classed. And it's, I think, it's matched. Yeah, it's matched. I, I look at Siege Worm sort of like a green divination in that you're probably going to get a two-for-one, um, but it's probably not going to win you the game. Because they're probably just going to block it with a 3-2 and a 2-2, and it, it's going to die, and it did its thing. And that that was its thing. I think that's a really good example of how much magic has changed. Because Siege Worm's a reprint from the original Maravnica, and it was a straight-up bomb then. And it, it's just not now. Creatures have gotten bigger. And I, I think the fact that every color has solid common removal spells, with the exception of green, is hurting it a little bit here. I think we're probably to the point where a card like Rabid Bite could just be included in most sets and green would be better off for it. Because there's still a lot of inherent risk when you tap, you know, cast a Rabid Bite. What if they've got a bounce spell? What if they've got a combat trick? Uh, Prey Upon just makes that so much worse. I agree. I think Prey Upon needs to be retired. Or if it's if it's in the set, I think green needed a lot of um, like low power, lower power, high toughness creatures. Right, like if we had if we had a three five for five in green, like a like a spider, or like something with reach or something like that, that kills a lot of things in the format with uh, with prey upon. But really, the only thing that you have in green a lot of the times is your siege worm, or if you're Selesnya, you have a bunch of four fours. If you're Selesnya, you're supposed to use it in conjunction with Dowser of Lights, like the Thornhide Wolves is the classic thing you would pair with prey upon a, a four five for five. And Dowser of Lights is just really good. It's kind of the biggest thing in the format, which is really weird that it's black. Like, I I still don't understand that, and I think I undervalued that card too, and I've ended up with every black deck I'm playing is, like, happy with two of those. I love those with the Passwall Adept and a Demir-style deck, like if I'm short on flyers or something like that. Like, just beat them for four every single turn, unblockable, and... It's so good on defense, you don't mind throwing it away because it's funny, like, you look at a card with just flavor text, and then you look at a card that has some kind of, like, ability on it or something like that, and I'm so much happier throwing away my card with 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 no text on it at all than I am with, like, two guild mages or a guild mage or something like that, but it's, like, it's it's expendable, it's reasonably costed, it blocks well, it attacks well, um, and it, it kind of just does it all in a, in a color that like shouldn't have that right like that should be a green thing i'm surprised we don't have a four or five for five in green um but i guess with siege room like you can't really do that right like that takes up a spot i'd have even been happy with a hunt the week yeah at common right like a hunt the week would be good um you know we i miss savage stomp was like it was a fun card back in the Ixalan days um but really like i think like the combat trick tricks i guess there's two of them um pax favor is pretty good but um Aside from that, there's really not much else that green has going on for it, and I think that's my main problem. But Yeah, you're looking to lean on the other color pairs for that. Um, the, the the big worm with Reverse Menace is quite good. Like, I've splashed for that in multiple decks that weren't green, and like my good green decks have had two of them. Like, I don't even care if I get value off of the undergrowth. It's just, hey, here's a 6-4. You can't double block it. There's not a whole lot that can just jump in front of that and actually trade with it. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Welcome to the Abyss. You've got to have a removal spell. And if, if you get to pump something, like all of a sudden, you know, just plus four, plus four, relatively late in the game, and turning your 2-2 that's just been sitting there, you know, not really involved in combat, into, hey, you're going to take six now, and next turn you're going to have to start jumping this fella. Like, I I think that's probably my favorite green card in the set. Uh, Vigor Spore Worm, I believe it's called. Yeah, I think that's probably up there for me now, where as originally when I was looking at the set, it was Siege Worm. I think I think I've definitely come back around. You don't need the trample. Yeah, you just need okay. him dead. Um, and what else? Like uh, the removal feels so good in this format. I'm pretty happy. I actually first picked a lava coil over den or pelt collector, and I felt real good about that one. Um, in a in a draft deck. So like, yeah. Let's there's, let's there's go some... let's go ahead and get this out because like I've had a lot of people when I open a pelt collector, they're like, oh my god it's a pell collector and i'm like yeah it's so awesome for the person we're passing it to because I, <laughs> I i actively don't want that in my deck i got one exceptionally late in a deck that was already going selesnia and put it in and it was fine but like that that's just getting rare blindness like adding up what the card will actually do it, it's a one drop that if you're able to curve out with it is really cool like, you sort of got a creature on curve at all the other spots, but it's already in play. And if you top deck it, it's going to be pretty bad. Like, that's what most two drops do. So you don't need to prioritize that at all. 
Mm-hmm. I think um, if I think if you're, if you're playing a deck that wants the one drops, like Healer's Hawks and things like that, like specifically Selesnya, um, I think Selesnya I'm totally fine doesn't taking want it. those. Selesnya takes Healer's Hawks. No, they're not very good in it. They're better in if Boros. You're better in Boros, but I mean, you can convoke out with those things too, right? Which is maybe the problem with Siege Worm is that um, like Boros takes those one drop creatures and Selesnya doesn't get them. No, so I think the problem with Selesnya is you can't go one, two, three. Siege Worm. People are playing one drops in Selesnia, and I don't think you're supposed to. I think mm-hmm. you're supposed to play the cards that make multiple creatures for one card. So the thing that makes the two lifelinkers is just a little bit better at convoking stuff out. Like, I, I've heard people say, it's like it's a Land of War Elf. And it's like, well, yeah, it is for the four convoke cards in your deck. But for everything else in your deck, it's a 1-1 one, one flyer, and you're not mentoring onto it. You're just going to chunk block with it. At some point in the game, because you're not killing your opponent with a one-one life-linking flyer, you're not wrong. I think I think I think Pelt Collector is a little better than that, but I think you're not. Me wrong. too. Me too. I think it's a little better than that, but I I don't think it's like format defining all star or whatever. Although I do dream of like turn one Pelt Collector, turn two, it doesn't even matter. Turn three Plague Crafter and trigger Pelt Collector twice. I think would be a lot of fun. That could be cool, yeah. But that won't happen. So, um. What else? Like, Boros obviously is great. Um, I'm still a fan of pre-combat combat tricks. Yeah, I've done that mentor. before already. It's like a lava axe to, your, to the face with a plus one, plus one counter. Um, why can't I ever draft True Fire Mentor, the red, red, white, white, 4-3? I've had a deck with two of them. It was pretty good. It's like, I mean, like, is it first pickable to you? Like, yeah. are you going, you're going into Boros specifically for that if it's in the pack? It, it depends on what else is in the pack, but I have already first picked the AABB cards from all of the guilds. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, again, we're, we're going to talk a little at the end of the podcast about arena specifics. So I'm, I'm not really first picking the Golgari one if I'm playing on arena, but it's not because I don't like Golgari or because I don't like the Golgari Gravedigger dude. Uh, it's, it's just because of how the bots are working in that currently. Speaking of Golgari... I think Golgari to me is like the set of the most underwhelming gold cards for creatures. I think I think the creatures in Golgari are the most underwhelming compared to all the rest of them. Yeah, I tried to get my head around it, but Erstwhile Trooper just kind of sucks. It's like it's like why like I I'd rather be casting most of my creatures. I know I want them in the graveyard, but I could also just get it in the graveyard. <laughs> I think that could have been a two drop um and Probably. been very strong. Just take off the colorless and make it, you know... I guess they didn't want a putrid leech scenario because that card could get out of hand. But Yeah. Um, the the one that comes into play with plus, plus one, plus one counters based on your undergrowth, not the haste one, but the, the gray black marker. one. Yeah, that guy's fine. He's fine, but underwhelming, right? Like, you compare it to, like, any of the other gold creatures in that same spot. Um, and then, like, Molder Hulk is, That's like, just, just bad. A, it's just a deck. I mean, I had a deck that actually played all right with it, but even then it was still a struggle to get it out a lot of the time. It's just um, an arbitrarily large creature without trample. Like, nice. It's it's a siege worm without trample. Um, I mean, the fact that it's a 6-6 six, six is interesting because, like, it does battle with the siege worm, um, but it's like a double block by four fives, right? It's just, everything is just underwhelming. Whereas, like, in Selesnya, you have a 4-4 four, four Vigilance you can convoke out on turn four. And you're like, sweet, now I can like bash face while you can't do anything about it. And it's just, Golgari just doesn't have that. Golgari seems like to me, like, obviously it's like everything is powered up in the late game because of undergrowth. But then you you just play a bunch of, you play a bunch of like dorky creatures early and hope to trade them off or hope to get some kind of value out of them. So like burglar rats and stuff are fine. But like, there's just this wide gap of you have nothing to do in the middle of the game that like has any impact on the board. And I think that sucks. I don't think people are valuing Hired Poisoner highly enough. Like it is a fantastic. It's it might be like my favorite card in the in the common slot. Yeah, because like I've played some Typhoid Rats and some Sedge Scorpions in my day, and it's always good. Like I, I've had Demir decks with three of them, Golgari decks with three of them, and been happy about it. I, I will play just about as many of them as I can get. Yeah, and I should say I meant in Golgari specifically. Obviously, there's a lot of extra, a lot of better commons, but um, like. In Demir, it's, just, it's fantastic. I like it a lot more in Golgari, but it's it's fantastic in any black deck. I think I'd rather Deadweight over it in Demir. I wouldn't, because I'm still going to, like, most of my Demir decks, and I've played a 
David, I've probably played 12 Demir decks out of the 25 drafts that I've done. Um, most of them have some undergrowth shenanigans or just looking to stay alive from that 4-4 Vigilance. And like it just holds so many things back. Your opponent gets the 4-4 Vigilance out and now they don't want to attack into it. And we're sitting at a board stall and, oh, oops, pass wall adept, I win. <laughs> I've actually been like specifically jamming into those creatures anything with death touch because it's just like i know i can't really deal with it so i just got to get it out of the way at some point i think that's the correct way to play around is just suck it up and trade with the darn thing it's it's trading with anything basically so there's no way around it yep um you want to drop some knowledge on me you want to do a little bit of a draft along here i would love to all right so i did this draft on stream on magic online and i thought it was good because they came back and reviewed it um, the deck turned out fine. I think I went two one with the deck, but I came back and reviewed it and sp- specifically found a, f- a few inflection points where I think I could have gone a different direction. I actually drafted this with uh, Mister Ducky on stream, okay, and he was kind of he was kind of leaning me in a, in a direction. But I think if I, I probably would have ended up the same direction um, if I had done it myself. But looking back on it, I, I see. A, a couple of picks that I think I would have made differently knowing what I knew about the draft, I think, in retrospect. So I think it'd be an interesting little little draft along here. Are you ready? Yeah, buckle in. All right, let me, let me just line this up on my screen so I don't have to turn to the side. All right, so this is, again, on Magic Online, which is significantly different than Arena, which is something we'll talk about in a little bit here. Um, we're going to go with the comments first. So first pick, or first card we have 10th district guard which is one in a white for the 2-2 that uh, when it enters the battlefield it gives plus zero plus one until end of turn um there's a lot of better two drops but i think it's fine yeah take heart is your excuse me white combat trick uh single white for plus two plus two and you gain one life for each attacking creature you control sure strike uh we know this one plus three plus zero on first strike until end of turn for one in a red spinal centipede two in a black for a three two and when it dies, you put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. I'm still higher on this creature, I think, than I originally started. Um, it's it's fine filler with upside in in certain decks. I'm, I've been quite happy with it anytime I play one of them. Yeah, that guy's all right. I, I was a little lower right. on it initially. Um, I was comparing it to a card in Kaladesh where things got bigger faster. But it, it turns out here, this is actually a pretty reasonable size body. It's going to trade with something relevant and leave you a counter. He's all right. Righteous Blow, uh, a single white for an instant, deals two damage to target attacking or blocking creature. Muse Strike, three and a blue for a 1-3, flying when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. This has been over an overperformer for me. Yep. Um, I, I think I underestimated it and how valuable just a one-power flyer would be at certain points in the game, so I've been pretty happy with that. Same. Hitchclaw Recluse, two and a green for a 1-4 with reach. I, I Actually, I wish this was a 2-4. I wish it was Giant Spider. Yeah, it'd be better because it, it. I don't like the card. I agree. Here's your hired poisoner, uh, single black for death touch one one. Disdainful stroke one and a blue for counter target spell with converted mana cost four or greater. This one has also been an overperformer for me so far. I think. Yeah, I don't. I haven't played it often, but when I have, I've been happy with it. It's always going to counter something relevant. Hmm. Dazzling lights, single blue for uh, combat trick. Target creature gets minus three minus zero until end of turn. Surveil two. This is actually the a lot. Blue sure strike. The blue sure strike. I like that it deals with death touch creatures quite nicely. Yeah, it does the same thing sure strike does for one less mana, and you get to surveil twice. Card's actually a fine combat trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boros Guildgate is our Guildgate, and then we're in the uncommons. Uh, up there for one of my favorite kind of sneaky good uncommons is Night Veil Sprite, one in a blue for a one-two flyer when it attacks surveil one. Yeah, that's just good. You don't even need a surveil payoff. Just getting that level of card filtering is a huge deal. I agree. Uh, Conclave Guild Mage is the Selesnia version. Green and a white for the 2-2 Cleric that give your creatures trample or six mana to uh, make a token, a 2-2 token. Uh, Beam Splitter Mage. I haven't had the pleasure of casting this card. <laughs> okay, so... I, it's uh, one in red for a 2-2 whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Beam Splitter Mage. If the spell could target another creature, choose one of those creatures, copy that spell. So what you do, what I have done, is you play the Beam Splitter Mage, then you play literally anything else, and then you 
cast quasi duplicate on the beam splitter mage and then you flash it back that turn after and you have an army in a can and it was awesome it was absolutely awesome i wasn't like going all in on beam splitter mages you don't have to pick these early they're going to go around and if you're is it it's fine you just need a two drop but it makes every sure strike that you're playing better i also cast dazzling lights on my beam splitter mage and copied it on one of my own guys because I needed specifically one card to win the game. And I was going to lose if I didn't draw it. I think it was a direct current and they were at two. And I just didn't have any attacks. So I got to look at five cards to try to find the darn thing for my turn. I didn't find it. But like it gave me an out I wouldn't have had otherwise. That is neat. I like that it specifically says the copy targets the chosen creature. So then you can tr- you can chain your beam splitter mages. Yeah. Does that work? I don't think you can do that. Oh, no, because you're not casting it when you target it. Yeah, mm, yeah. Okay. But it would target for any other effect that says, you know, if this is ever targeted by a spell. Yeah. Interesting. And then the rare is a little disappointing. It's Ionize, one blue-red for a counter-target spell. It deals two damage to that spell's controller. Yeah, I so, think the So, Mr. Sowers. Yes, Mr. Seville. What is your pick? I, I think this one comes down to the Conclave Guild Mage versus the Nightvale Sprite. I think I can respect both choices. I'm taking the Conclave Guild Mage. That level of a mana sink for me on a body that I'm already happy to include in my decks um, means that I'm, I'm going to be pretty happy with that. I have already won games with the Trample Activation of Conclave Guild Mage. It is best friends with the Vigor Spore Worm that we were talking about earlier. And I've been flooded out. It happens in Magic sometimes. And if you don't have anything better to do, like hopefully you do, but if you don't have anything better to do, I've taken over board states with two two uh, elf, white elf knight creatures. Like it, it gets the job done, and I'm not mm-hmm. as timid about first picking a gold card here as I am usually, because normally taking the Nightville Sprite leaves me open to five things I could pair it with. But here, I'm really only pairing it with red or black, and it's going to shine its shiniest in black. So like, I, I'll play it, and is it? But it, it kind of wants to be in that Demir deck where I can be getting some incidental value while I'm surveilling. So I'm, I'm not uncomfortable taking the Guild Mage. I also think this is one of the stronger Guild Mages. Like the Izzet Guild Mage and the Golgari Guild Mage and this one are like a step ahead of the others, which are also still amazing. And I've been quite happy splashing for them. So like I feel like I'm still leaving myself open to, to Golgari, to Boros, uh, or Selesnya. I feel like I'm even more open taking the Guild Mage than I am taking the Sprite. Well, it's interesting because um, you look at splashability and, and the sprite is not necessarily something you're willing to splash for, right? Like, let's say you're playing Sultai, so you're playing Golgari with a little bit of blue. Sprite is not on your menu of things that you're interested in splashing for. Yeah. Whereas whereas Guild Mage is something that is easy to splash for because it can be such a late game card, right? Where you, you flip that around and, and uh, you know, you find a late game blue card like uh, Capture Sphere or something like that. And now you're playing Golgari. Maybe you splash for that because you need removal and that's a bit easier to do. So I like I like that take, and that's not really something I considered. So I'm glad we had this conversation. I took the sprite because I love the sprite, um, and I need to get over that fact. And that's one of the things that I looked at when I came back to this is I need to get over the fact that um, that picking a card keeps me open because it doesn't necessarily keep me open. Um, like Nightvale Sprite is very much a Demir card, and it's not splashable. So I'm locking myself into into two guilds. I can play it in it, but it like yeah. you said, it shines into mirror, right? So it's like I secretly picked a gold card here and didn't really realize it when I picked it. Okay. I still don't think that's a terrible choice. Like it's a very good card. Mm. You just want blue to be open. Exactly. But the the reason I was picking it was because, hey, you know, I can take this and it's single color and it's easier, you know, it's easier to play, but really it's you know, it is locking me in two different directions where Guild Mage kind of leaves you open to that kind of wedge or shard or whatever Naya is, right? Yeah. Okay. So I, I took the uh, I took the Sprite. All right. Pack one, pick two. In uh, the common slot, we have Wojek Bodyguard. Two in a red for a 3-3 three, three with Mentor, and it can't attack or block alone. Very impressed by this guy. Yeah, he's great. I've played him in Izzet and uh, Boros decks, and he's been good in both. The Wary Okapi? 3-2 for, uh, or sorry, uh, Tuna Green for 3-2 Vigilance. Very underwhelmed. Eh, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, Vicious Rumors, we just skipped that card. 10th, 10th District Guard, we had this in the last pack. Sure Strike, we also had this in the last pack. Bit of a print run here. Maximum Altitude, a single blue for a sorcery. Target creature hits plus one, plus one, and gains flying until end of turn with Jumpstart. Um, I think this is also secretly a gold card. I think this goes in your Is It deck, and it's a neat enabler. 
Yeah, I, I, I used the one that gave plus one, plus one in haste instead of this uh, in conjunction with beam splitter mages and did stupid things. But I could see this doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, locks it on restorer for white, white for a three, four with convoke. And when it enters the battlefield, <laughs> gain four life. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the most underwhelming convoke cards. I w- if it was a four, four, I think it's significantly better. Agree. Uh, Leapfrog, two and a blue for a 3-1, and when you cast an instant or sorcery, it gains flying. Uh, Direct Current, one red-red for a sorcery, deals two damage to any target with Jumpstart. I think this is probably the card that came in with the most controversial ratings amongst amateurs. And um, and I think it's gone up in value for those players, because I think it has overperformed uh, a lot of people's initial impressions. You remember Tomi, guest of the stream, Iserok? Mm-hmm. He's he's been on the podcast before. Um, he and Auntie uh, Isarok and Ling, if you watch their stream, are famous for hating red cards. In fact, for a long time, every time someone subscribed to their channel, Auntie would rip up a red card on camera. Uh, they are advocating for first picking direct current. Yep. Enough said. And enough said. Like, if, and that and that's high praise from them. Um. I think it also looks like a storm, which could also actually contribute to it. <laughs> yep, that, that too. Our guildgate is still here. It's Demir Guildgate. And then in the... Uh, we have one more common. It's Cosmetronic Wave. Three and a red uh, for a sorcery. Deals one damage to each creature your opponent's control. Creatures your opponent's control cannot block this turn. Um, I've killed many a one ones. My favorite story with this card. My opponent went... Um, what did they go? They went one drop. So they, they played a 1-1 one, one Healer Hawk. Then they played a 2-1 first striker. They were playing Boros. Then they played the thing that makes two 1-1s. No, sorry. Then they played the the 3-1 mentor creature on turn three. And then the next turn, they played two more 1-1s. Not the token maker, but they played like a healer's hawk and then the hunted witness or something like that. And I Cosmetronic waved them on my turn four. I was on on the draw. My favorite story with that card is we were at a board stall and I cast it and killed my opponent. Oh, that's you. Can, that's easy to do, though, right? Like, yeah, I want two of these in all my Boros decks. It's great. It is pretty good, but like, just just the fact that you can do both of those things with this card, I think, is really cool. Um, un- uncommons. We have ne- ne- uh, bleh, 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 bleh. Undercity Necrocolisk. Uh, three and a black for a three three with the ability to sacrifice a creature. Put a plus one plus one counter on this. It gains menace. Um, I find there's not enough creatures I want to be sacrificing. Same. See, watch Sphinx, five and a blue for a five, four flyer. When it dies, surveil two. And then Arboretum Elemental, seven green, green for a seven, five with Convoke and Hexproof. And uh, also very underwhelming, I think. I was pretty stoked to take direct current until we got to the city watch Sphinx. That thing is just a house. Like you don't, you just need to connect with it four times and it wins the game by itself. I think Mm -hmm. it's legitimate bomb level card. See, it's interesting. So um, I'm I'm with you, but I've been kind of seesawing on it a little bit. And the reason being is because I think the set has so few flyers and so few things that can deal with flyers is it's like, can you just get the common ones instead, the, the three, four for, for five instead, and and have that fill this spot? Or is this m- more powerful, like by enough of a margin that, that you're taking that you that you're leaning on this as as your five or six drop spot you're not thinking big enough i want two of the three fours and this and one of these that's fair the the decks i've had that have had that have been absurd like we're, we're almost doubling the power for an extra mana we don't get the surveil until it dies but frankly you don't need it because your opponent's going to be dead uh but if they deal with it then 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 you know it is what it is i'm taking the sphinx i like direct current I am too. I'm taking the Sphinx, but looking at this pack is it's like, should I have stopped and thought about direct current? Because I think I snap picked the Sphinx, but should I have stopped and thought about direct current a little more? Um, or maybe I'm just not like, maybe I'm second guessing myself on Sphinx and that's kind of where I was trying to figure that out. So you don't need to direct current is very good. There are things that it doesn't kill and it doesn't kill anything at a discount. Like whatever you're killing with it, you're probably paying as much or more than they paid for it. Right. So like you're not getting a good deal on it other than you can flash it back. And then once you can flash it back, you get into this weird dance with your opponent of like, did they do they have a three one flyer in hand? And they're just waiting to see if I'll kill this three two 
like how much damage do I take from the three two? Do I kill? And it's just it's just stupid. So like I like DC and I'll take it and I'll play it. But um, I, I'm thinking right now that I'm going to get past uh, the dude that searches up a gate and I'm going to play Selesnia and just splash the Sphinx, Sphinx and it's going to be fine. That's fair. Um, I love that dance. I love the gameplay of that. By the way. Okay. Fair enough. I, I do like I, I like seeing what's in my opponent's graveyard and knowing that I have to either play around it or make them second guess it. But it's really cool. Anyway. All right. So we both picked the City Watch Sphinx. Carrying on to the next pack, we have uh, Whisper Agent. Uh, one uh, Demir Demir mana, hybrid mana for a 3-2 flash. When it enters the battlefield, surveil one. This guy has like overperformed and then some for me. I love that card so much. Very strong card. Torch Cor- Cor- Courier. Uh, courier. Courier? Courier. Courier. One word. who curries. Courier. He curries. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a single red, for a 1-1 one, one haste, uh, and you can sacrifice it to give another target creature haste until end of turn. Righteous Blow, we know that one. Muse Drake, we know that one. Generous Stray, 2 and a green for a 1-2. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Fresh Face Recruit, 1 and a Boros. For a 2-1 with first... Uh, sorry, when as long as it's your turn, it has first strike. Uh, Demir Informant, 2 and a blue for a 1-4. When it enters the battlefield, Surveil 2. That card kind of sucks. It's not as good as uh, Sailor of Means was, and I think it's purely situational. Yep. Uh, Demir Guildgate, uh... Obviously, we know what that is. Deverkin Dissident, one and a green for a 2 2. Uh, it has the ability four and a green to give it plus two, plus two until end of turn. Um, I think it's a decent two drop in green, but, um, you know, there's also equivalent two drops. This doesn't something that you necessarily have to pick up. It's a good one, but it's actually probably the two drop I want in green if mm-hmm. I get to pick, but I, I'm not going to prioritize it. Nope. Two drops Call are here cul- to trade off against Boros. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. why we're playing them. Pretty much. Color the culprit, three and a white for an instant to destroy a target creature with toughness four or greater. I find there's just not enough targets to main deck this. Odd. I was going to say it's okay to main deck one of these. You like main decking one of them? Yeah, because you're, you're scared that you're not going to have a target against who? Uh, Boros, and you're dead by then anyway, I guess. Yup. Uh, Bartisan Bats, three and a black for a 3 1 flyer. Plague Crafter, two and a black for a 3 2 when it enters the battlefield. Each player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. Each player who can't discards a card. I have gotten both a planeswalker and a card for my opponent's hand with this card. Bingo! You win, Dave. I did it all. And then Grappling Sundew, one and a green for an 0-4 Defender Reach. Um, bunch of text on it that does other things. I think this is probably up there for the least cast uncommon in the set. You know, yeah. I've seen people play it against me and it wasn't good. Okay, what's your pick out of this pack? Knowing that you picked uh, Guild Mage and the the Sphinx, uh, probably the Whisper Agent. The card's just really good. I, I like Plague Crafter a lot, and I've seen some really neat combos with it. My favorite is still to curve the rats into the Plague Crafter, but now I'm intentionally trying to keep myself open and be ready to go into either Demir or Is it whichever appears to be open. I'm kind of off of the Guild Mage, although it could still sort of happen. Uh, because with the Whisper Agent pick, I could still be Golgari and splash the white and go Abzan and just not end up playing the 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 5-4 flyer. So I've I've still got options, but it, it's looking like I've got two good blue cards, and I'm probably going to stick with that for now and see where we go. Yeah, and I think my my problem with this is is that I keep thinking that Whisper Agent is more of a black card when really you could just cast it in Is it and be totally fine with it. I have, um, and it was good. Absolutely. Uh, I took the Plague Crafter here, and I think it was close between the two. And again, looking back at it, I'm probably on your side and probably looking at the Whisper Agent. Plague Crafter is often a dead card a lot of the time. Um, it, it's good on an empty board, and how often is there an empty board? Or not an empty board, but like your opponent only has one creature on board. Yeah. Or if I, you have a bunch of rats and stuff. Yeah, I, I think he needs friends to be good, whereas the Whisper Agent kind of doesn't. The 3-2 f- Flash is already good. Like, it's interesting. We had a 3-2 Flash in black in the last core set, and it was it was okay. It was pretty good for like jumping in and ambushing something. But there's a surprising amount of three toughness creatures that I'm just happy to jump in and kill. And that surveil like increases the quality of that card significantly. Even if I'm not doing surveil shenanigans, just finding my fourth land or making sure that I don't draw another land when I've already got you know three more in hand has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And we start to see uh, my my draft starts to get a little punished for that, um, and I think I made a mistake in this pack. So next pack here, we have another Wojek Bodyguard, a Sure Strike, a Severed Strands, one in a black, 
uh, you have to sacrifice a creature to cast this, and then you destroy a, a creature and gain life equal to the sacrifice creature's toughness. Uh, Ledev Guardian, three and a white for two four with Convoke. I wish it had Vigilance. Leapfrog for two and a blue. We knew that one. Is it Locket? Golgari Guildgate, Gateway Plaza, which is the multicolor gate. Uh, Fire Urchin, one and a red for a one three trample. And when you cast an instant or sorcery, it gets plus one plus zero. Erstwhile Trooper, this is the one we were talking about earlier. One green black for a two two. You can discard a card or creature card and gets plus two plus two and gains trample until end of turn. Uh, Arboretum Elemental and Chance for Glory has text on it. It's a mythic. We're not going to read it. Yeah. By the way, Arboretum Elemental sucks. It suffers from everything that you said the Siege Worm suffers from. I have not been happy with it. I think I'm probably taking the Leapfrog here. Like, I've got a nice solid blue base at this point. I don't need to do a whole lot. This trades for a lot of the three power stuff in in other colors. I I don't love Leapfrog, but nothing here is pulling me in another direction. Like, I kind of like the Wojcik Bodyguard. I have played plenty of Fire Urchins. I, in fact, did 12 points of damage one turn with a bunch of Fire Urchins and killed my opponent. It was pretty cool. But I'm just not going into Is It For It. Um, I could sort of see a nod to the Gateway Plaza, but at this point I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to get to play my Guild Mage, and that's okay. I've got two really strong blue cards, and now kind of a filler level, but also like finisher level blue card. So let's just grab it and see where we're at. Mm-hmm. I think if I had your start, I'd probably take the Wojak Bodyguard. I you think, think so? I think that's I think I think it's a little better than Leapfrog than in 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 a not a vacuum, but like knowing that I have no spells yet. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know I'm going to get spells, but, like, Leapfrog is better with a, mm. a critical mass, whereas Bodyguard no. can just be good if you have, like, one threes and stuff like that. I mean, yes, Leapfrog is, but, like, the, the is it decks I've had most the most success with are casting Sure Strike on Leapfrog and killing your opponent. Like, cool, That's here, true. take six. Or and, they're and, just like, okay, you've got a 3-3. Three, three. I, need, I need to block with it. Here you go. Yeah. And, I mean, we have passed three Sure Strikes now, so we should get one back for sure. Um, I took the Gateway Plaza, and I think I regret that um, looking at this pack. I think it could have been, you know, Bodyguard, Leapfrog. Not Severed Strands necessarily, but, um, you know, the Gateway Plaza, there's just, you know, I, I could pick up I could pick up Guild Gates later. I'm not I'm not in a, at a point in the draft here where I'm splashing anything right now. Um, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not really seeing a ton of blue cards now um, in, in this pack specifically. So like maybe I'm going to splash something like the Sphinx or something like that. That was my thinking here, but I think what I sh- you know I should be on something else and and trying to find a direction. I think so. I think I made a mistake there. Okay. Um, and and it's good, right, to go back and reflect on these things and try to learn from from mistakes. If, and maybe it wasn't a mistake, right? Like maybe it was a fine pick, but I don't. Uh, I, I'm not going to give you too much grief about that one. No. This pack was, uh, this one easy for me, might be a little harder for you, but we've got Sumala Woodshaper, two green white for a 2-1. Um, you can look at the top four cards, get a creature enchantment, um, put the rest on the bottom. Better than I, I thought it was. If you have a lot of luminous bonds, like one or two, <laughs> um, it goes way up in value, I think. Yeah. Uh, Pax Favor, two and a green for uh, plus three, plus three until end of turn with Convoke. This has gotten so many people and I have been gotten <laughs> by it so many times. Yep. My my favorite one, I cast Finality. My opponent was tapped out. They had four creatures that were all going to die to Finality. And then they Pax favored their biggest creature so it didn't die to Finality. And then I, like, died the next turn. Nice. Yeah. Punished. Uh, another Lead Dev Gar- Guardian. Another Leapfrog. Another Is It Locket. Another Golgari Guildgate. So we got a print run here. A Crushing Canopy. Um, are you main decking Crushing Canopy? Yes, no. Yes. Okay. Cosmetronic Wave, Centaur Peacemaker, one green-white for a 3-3 when it enters the battlefield, each player gains four life. Um, I like my three drops to have three power and three toughness. That's what I have to say about that card. Yep. Crawl Harpooner, one and a green for a 3-2 with reach. When it enters the battlefield, it gets a bunch of power based on your undergrowth, and then it fights a flyer. Uh, I'm a big fan of this card. And then we have Crush Contraband, three and a white for an instant exile, or choose one or both, exile, exile target artifact, or exile target enchantment. All right, so I'm. Th- this is not a super easy slam dunk for me, but I'm going to take the crawl harpooner uh, mm-hmm. because now all of a sudden Golgari splash that uh, guild mage is starting to look right back on the menu because I still mm-hmm. get to play the whisper agent. I lose a leapfrog 
That's not the world's greatest loss. I lose the City Watch Sphinx, which hurts a little bit, but I'm replacing it with the Guild Mage, which is pretty dang good. And I can still, if like, because again, there's two Selesnia cards here, both of which I would play. I, I, the reason I'm not taking the Woodshaper or the, the Peacemaker, even though I think both of those are good cards and I would put them in my Selesnia deck, is I, I still want to leave open this Golgari possibility. Because we're, we're only five picks in. Like, mm-hmm. this is where we're starting to determine what's open, and I'm seeing, you know, two Selesnia commons that I like. Absolutely. Not necessarily splashable, so you're not going to play it in a... Um... Uh, Sultai deck where green is the splash, for example. That's yeah. not something you want to be doing with this one. This is like, it's just an amazing two drop. Then I, I took Crawl Harpooner, and the number of creatures that I got with it without killing the Harpooner. It's surprising, uh, isn't it? You can you can get the sprites, you can get spy bugs, you can get healers hawks, you can get muse drakes. Like there's all sorts of things you can get with this card. Um, I think it's fantastic. All right, cool. Sign me all up right. too. Pick six. We have the Rosemane Centaur, three green white for a four four vigilance with convoke. Big Hello fan of that there. Card. Hello. Uh, never happened. Two and a black for uh, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non land card from that player's graveyard or hand and exile it. Uh, is it Guildgate? Hammer dropper, two white red for a five two with mentor. Big fan of this guy in the Boros deck. He has beautiful hair. Mm, fantastic locks. Crushing canopy. Candlelight Vigil. I lost two a Healer's Hawk with Candlelight Vigil. Three and a white for plus three, plus two in Vigilance. It's an enchantment aura. Burglar Rat. Uh, one and a black for a 1-1. One, one. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card. Blade Instructor. Two and a white for a 3-1 with Mentor. Ocranix Assassin. Uh, one green black for a 1-1 one, one with Death Touch, and it has Lure, so everything has to block it. And Flight of the Equinauts. Seven and a white for a 4-5 with Convoke and Flying. So, if I'm down to my picks being Selesnya Guild Mage, Crawl Harpooner, and Rosemane Centaur in the start, I think I'm actually pretty happy with that. So you're leaning on the, the Centaur and trying to lean into that Selesnya Guild? Yeah, the, the challenge for me is like, would I rather have... Would I rather have the Boros and Structure in the Selesnia deck? And I might, because I'm going to end up with some tokens. And would I be better off taking that Assassin? Because I've absolutely won games with them too. But the body of that 4-4 is just too good. So like, I I realize I'm losing some good quality blue cards. That said, if we find the Gate guy, maybe I can still splash the Sphinx. But maybe I won't need to if Selesnia is just open. This is like, the last pack had two Selesnia commons that I like. This one's better than both of those. And it's still being mm-hmm. here to me is like, hey, Travis, go ahead and get into Selesnia. And like, you can play Flight of the Equinox. You can play Blade Instructor in that deck too. Um, and you can even main deck a Crushing Canopy. So there's like three cards here, maybe four for Selesnia. Whereas we've got one for Boros, one for Golgari, and, you know, half for Demir if you want to count Burglar Rat. Yep. So, so I'm, I'm going I, with the Centaur. And that's fair. And I took the Burglar Rat trying to keep that Black Dream alive. Um, and then trying to figure out if I was Demir or Golgari later on, I think is what I was taking here. So, um, but like looking back is after seeing the crawl harpooner and then also looking back and seeing nothing really in blue at all, I should have realized that, you know, that Demir dream is probably not happening and then either gone the assassin, um, or just something else, right? Like leaning into, into to, to a different guild here, for example, but yeah. I took the rat. Oh, I also had a plague crafter too. Obviously they're best friends. So, that's another thing that I was leaning into here. So it's interesting that we've diverged so much here. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there's any like oversights or terrible mistakes that either of us have made so far. So it's interesting, right? It's an average draft and we'll have playable decks, but it's like whose was better, I think is, is um, you know, you have to run a best of five or something like that to figure that out. All right, rounding, winding down the first pack here, at least the first eight picks. Pack seven, we have Wild Ceratok, which is a 4-3 uh, for three and a green with flavor text. Vernardi, Shieldmate, one and a Selesnia for a 2-2 Vigilance. Take Heart, never happened. Maximize Velocity, another uh, is it enabler, I think. A single red for a sorcery target creature is plus one, plus one, gains haste until end of turn with Jumpstart. Is it Guildgate, Goblin Electromancer. Uh, this is just a fun card to play uh green or sorry uh, red and a blue for a 2-2 with uh 
instant and sorcery spells you cost cast one cost one less to cast. We have another necrocolisk and another crush contraband. I'm gonna take that uh, shield mate, and I think yep. settle into Selesny and be pretty happy about it. Yeah, I took the Undercity Necrocolisk and didn't end up playing it in my final version. And this Electromancer being here, I think, is quite neat. Because I think if you look back and I thought about taking the Direct Current, like, is this a sign that maybe is it is open and um, there was an opportunity to get in? I don't think I would have picked that up um, because the, the previous two packs didn't really have much for that. Yeah, uh, I did have a Leapfrog, I guess. Um, but I think as the draft goes on, I think if I review it, I think you see that happen in the next couple of picks and then also in the next pack. So, but I think it was too late for me to pick that up. Okay. I, I'm feeling pretty good with my Selesnia picks so far. Yeah, I think so too. I'm pretty sad with that Necrocolisk and, um, you know, maybe, you know, again, trying to keep that black dream alive. And I think it was a mistake. I think when you're staying open, you're not like to single colors. It's not necessarily staying open. And I think that was a lesson that I learned out of this. And then the next pick, uh, we have Torch Courier, uh, Somala Woodshaper again, Selesnia Guildgate, Prey Upon, Piston Fist Cyclops, which is the uh, is it uh, four three defender, and as long as you've cast an instant or sorcery, it can attack. Garrison Sergeant three red white for three three. Uh, as long as you have a gate, it has double strike. It's pretty underwhelming. Molder Hulk um, seven black green for a six six, and it costs one less for each creature card in your graveyard. And when it enters the battlefield, you can return target land from your graveyard to the battlefield, and another Arboretum Elemental. Yeah, I'm gonna take my Woodshaper now. I started yeah, to look at this as like a weird grave digger, and it made more sense to me. Like, I don't get the best card out of my graveyard, but sometimes I cast Grave Digger on four because I just needed a play. Um, whereas this is never going to have that problem, and I'm usually going to get something. Um, I played a deck with three of them, uh, and I, I think three was probably too many. I think two is actually what I want, but I was I was pretty happy with it. So yeah, if Celestia is going to be open, let's go. You go. I took the Molder Hulk. Uh, Ducky talked me into this one. He's like, let's play Golgari. And uh, he really liked this card. After playing with it, I am supremely underwhelmed with it. Um, although it, it was good uh, in not necessarily Magical Christmas land, but pretty close to it. Um, and we're going we're gonna to stop the draft long here because it is pick eight. So I ended up with a start to a, you know, Demir slash Sultai deck trying to pick a direction. And our plan was to see what wheel and then what we open in pack two to see if we ended up Demir or Golgari. And um, lo and behold, pack two was a uh, first pick for Aska, So we ended up Golgari. Can I, can, um, can you tell me uh, pack one, pick 13, what's left there just out of curiosity? A centaur peacemaker and a Shamala wood shaper. So Selesnia wide open. Selesnia wide open. We're going to splash that Vraska, um, which is not a problem at all. Not yep. a problem at all. And so, also Rosemane Centaur pick one, or pack one, pick 14. Yeah, so I, that wouldn't have been there because I took it. Because you like, took it, it, but it was there for me. If you, if you if you were seeing Woodshaper and Peacemaker with three cards left in the pack, and then a Centaur last, like, it, it was a Selesnia draft. I'm kind of proud of myself. <laughs> you did great. Yeah, you read that quite well. Um, I think I probably wouldn't have ended up Golgari, um, because I probably wouldn't have taken the Molder Hulk if um gavin hadn't uh, talked you into it if, if he if ducky hadn't talked me into it um because it's just he i wanted to try it and i think it was a good opportunity to try it because we didn't know what direction we were going yet we were mostly black at that point um but i think that was me getting into a lane and not getting out of it and i think that was the mistake that i made it was also interesting too because like i said i think there was um some is it like late in that first pack and I think in pack two, there's a lot of is it going around as well. Like there's a direct current and there's a connive concoct, which we ended up picking up, which can be played in is it and splashed. Um, you know, there's a lava coil that goes by. There's, there's a few things that go by that are just too late for me. A lot of good Selesnya cards too. Sorry, and I'm not to rub it in. <laughs> no, no. It, it is absolutely. And that's why I wanted to do this draft is because, you know, um, the fact that you can pivot like that and the fact that... Um, it's easy to play three colors in this format. You just need to keep yourself open to that. And open in this format is different than open in M19 or open in any regular format, right? The Absolutely. gold cards really, really make a difference there. Um, and there's a lot of cards that go specifically into a guild that are those signposts that say like, hey, like you should be drafting Selesnia at the same time as you're picking up another Crawl Harpooner in the second pack, for example. Yeah right so like so like you can still get those good cards and i can look at this and say like oh sweet we get another crawl harpooner like we're definitely golgari 
at the same time, you're saying, great, we get another Crawl Harpooner. We're definitely Selesnia. Yeah. Right. And you got to, and you got to splash Raska, for example. So I think it's, it's interesting that like, um, we can be excited about the same cards, but one of us has a much better deck because of, of the decisions that were made earlier on. So. Oh my God. Okay. 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 <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff. So I'm just scrolling down here. Pack three, pick three was Ledev champion. Um, pack three, pick four was luminous bonds. Pack three, pick five was a conclave cavalier. Pack three, mm-hmm. pick six, Imara, Soul of the Accord. Mm-hmm. Like, so, wide open. So I'm getting a, a sixth pick myth uh, rare for my Selesnya deck. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. But do you know what else sucks? What's that? I want to I wanna point this out, too. I got to go back and find it. Pick two. Pack one, we pick Golgari over a Night Vale Predator. Mm-hmm. Pack three, pick one. Night Vale Predator. <laughs> yeah, I could have. We could have forced a Demir deck, yeah, and had two and had two Night Vale Predators. It's just, it's just funny. Like the power level of those AABB cards is insane. And I looked at this pack, and it's like, I can't, I can't splash Night Vale Predator. Yeah, which means it's going to the Demir player. I actually really like that about the AABB cards. Yeah, so it's just funny how like it, it can turn on that. And I we looked at that, and it was like, okay, Vraska over Night Vale Predator. That's fine. Like I we got to do like Molder Hulk shenanigans with Vraska. It was really cool. But like, could have had two Night Vale Predators, and here you are getting hooked up with the Selesnia, and it's like, there's like all of these powerful cards, and I think that's really cool about those those gold cards, those gold uncommons. I'm a big fan of those. Yeah, I think the big takeaway and learning thing here is is exactly what you've said. Staying open doesn't mean the same thing that it did in M19 or in Ixalan or whatever, because you're you're going to be wedged into one of these these five color pairs that are playable although i've done a five color deck and it was fun and it worked so like there's some goofy stuff you can do but generally speaking you're going to be playing the guilds and then maybe splashing one thing in an adjacent guild yep thank you for bringing this up i I think this was a good learning experience and it made me feel confident about my ability to read a draft yeah no that was awesome and i'm I'm very glad that i got to go back and look at this one because oh my god david pack three pick eight it's insane for you. There's a Conclave Guild Mage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here I am taking Urban Utopia because I want to splash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Now, Which speaking... is funny because oh, th- this was, or I was going to say, this was like the best performing draft of those two streams that I did, though. So, which is kind of funny. Nice. Because I think we had a finality in there somewhere, so. I'd have splashed that, too. Mm-hmm. 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 So you'd mentioned forcing Demir earlier. Yes. Can I talk about forcing Demir for just a moment? You can absolutely talk about it. Okay, give me one second to get the soapbox adjusted. All right, let me step on up here. All right, so I have done upwards of 20 drafts on Arena. And one thing I began to notice as I was doing competitive drafts was that it really seemed like I was always getting either a pretty good Boros deck or a pretty good Demir deck. And by pretty good, I mean having flagship uncommons for both of those. And then when I played, I was playing against pretty good Demir decks or pretty good Boros decks. And at a certain point, I was like, I'm either overvaluing these cards, the bots are undervaluing them, I'm terrible at magic, or this format is awful. And to figure that out, I booted up an ancient program called Magic Online and did three drafts there and actually had a blast. And what I discovered was that if you force Demir on Magic Online, you don't automatically get two copies of um, Disinformation Campaign, whereas you do on Arena. So I think the bots are having some serious issues understanding gold cards in this context. Because what David and I just walked through was how difficult it is to recognize that taking a gold card may leave you more open than taking a monocolored card. And if the bots aren't programmed to figure that out, they're not going to know it. I was hopeful that the update today would have some more information for the bots. And I can tell you after two seven-win runs with blue decks, I did the blue-white deck. It should have been a Demir deck. In fact, uh, pack two, there were two cards left in the, the pack. One of them was Thought Erasure. The other was Disinformation Campaign. It went all the way around the table twice. Like, the bots just will not take that card. And I, I really don't understand why. So, like, right now, if, if you're going to play Quick Draft and you want to maximize it, 
you kind of have to ignore that there are guilds besides Demir and Boros because there's something off about the bots and they're just leaving them open too much. Chris Clay was in the chat today. Chat obviously had some questions for him about that. He said that they're going to address that as well as update the bots uh, in, in additional ways in the future so that there is stuff like that coming. And I think that may be a unique problem to a set like Guilds of Ravnica and that there's just there's not enough data yet so whatever algorithms they programmed them with, like take a monocolored card first to stay open, it's just not working here. Now, having said that, that kind of got me thinking about how you can't really draft infinitely on Arena right now, whereas you can on Magic Online, and everything seems to be kind of geared towards play standard, build a standard collection, let's play standard. Yeah, you can draft, but let's play standard. And the one thing that Magic has that's truly unique in a digital space is drafting with other people. Like, that's the one thing I can't do on Eternal and I can't do on Hearthstone, right? Like, Eternal has this weird thing that's like between bots and people, and Hearthstone is basically a complicated way to play Sealed, both of which were quite fun, but neither of which had that moment of I got to outsmart the table when I was drafting and then outsmart the players again when we played. And I think that that's something that's unique and critical to Magic, is drafting with other people. Now, I like the idea of quick draft always being against bots, because frankly, that's for people to come in and learn how to draft, not for people to sit and grind. So I, I'm all in favor of that staying, and if the bots don't draft like Pro Tour drafters or like people at FNM, who cares? Competitive draft, ideally that would be against people one day, but it, it actually made me hopeful that maybe the reason we haven't seen that third draft mode is because they want to wait until we can draft with people to release it, and what if it was a phantom draft that cost gems to enter so that there's actually something on the line for you to play and there's a reason for you to want to win and it wasn't quite so hard to go infinite. I don't know if the right number is 55% or 65%, but it's probably somewhere bracketed in there. Probably 62 would be my guess. Maybe 63 if you can pull that off. Maybe even 65 if it's best of threes, which I'm hopeful that it would be and we could have sideboards. Like, why not get those people who are very interested in competitive limited magic into Arena? And I think it's because that, that one key piece of drafting with people just isn't there yet. So it, it actually left me rather frustrated the first day after I was like, you know, this is... I had a Demir deck and I played literally five Demir opponents in a row. I had a disinformation campaign. So did every opponent I played against. I was like, this is just ridiculous. But it took me from frustrated to actually hopeful about the future. Because, like... I really believe that's why we haven't seen drafting take off here yet is because we're not drafting against people and that's what you want if you're going to actually draft. And then once we can draft against people, then we can start to explore formats where that's more of a focus. I agree 100% with everything you've said. Um, I don't know if we'll get Phantom on Arena, but I think it would be nice for people that want to draft because you will always have the option to not draft Phantom if you want cards. Yeah, I, I was just surprised. Like, I hadn't played Hearthstone in years. Like, I like the game. It's just, it suffers from there's too many games for me to play. And I feel like if I'm going to really dump time into one of them, it's going to be magic. Because that, that, like, I made that call years ago. But it was fun to play their limited environment. It was fun to play it for a little bit of gold, which is their free-to-play currency. And then know that while I'm not keeping the cards, if I can get seven wins, I get to do this again. And I was like, that's that's actually kind of neat. There's enough on the line that I'm incentivized to win and not just, you know, concede when my opponent has a strong opening. But it wasn't so much that I felt buried under the pressure of I have to win or the world comes crashing down. And like buying into them was something like $2. Like that, that seems like a no-brainer to me because it, it could be considerably less expensive to buy in. So rather than getting, you know, $15 from somebody once a week, they could get $2 every day and end up with 17 or excuse me, 14 which is just about the same thing, but you've got people engaging with your product more. So like, I, I feel like that would be a strong way for them to go. And I, I've gone from like questioning whether Phantom would work for Arena to thinking it's exactly what I want. I'm hopeful that they'll have that. Mm-hmm. I do not disagree. Thank you for that soapbox topic. I think that was that was a reasonable one that needed to be brought up. So just bear in mind, if you're doing quick drafts for Guilds of Ravnica on um, Arena, Demir and Boros are probably your go-to decks. If you don't enjoy that experience, is it kind of old and clunky? Yeah, 
but Magic Online's still there, and I had a great time drafting this format on Magic Online. So, like, I would encourage people who've played on Arena, maybe this is the time to check out Magic Online if you want to get, like, a real draft experience and draft against people. Uh, it's it's a little bit more expensive than what you're used to if you're not, you know, chaining wins together, but I still found it a very satisfying draft experience. Yeah, I explicitly decided to play not instead of playing quick draft because I didn't quite have the gem bankroll to, or sorry quick draft competitive draft because I didn't quite have the bankroll so I explicitly went on magic online and like I said I was playing it the other day not on stream and I was enjoying it so um I think it's also a testament to just this set in general um and how good it feels to draft at a real table like with you know against real opponents not just drafting against bots so yeah all right well, I think that's gonna wrap us up this week another solid episode in the books uh, where can they catch you streaming? You can find me playing Guilds of Ravnica Draft at twitch.tv slash simulant. Come and say hi. And I'm at twitch.tv slash dcivilian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. We're both on Twitter at the same handles. You can also follow us at men Moto on Twitter. For those of you that are interested in supporting the podcast beyond just being an amazing listener, you can catch us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash menformoto. Thanks to Face to Face Games for the host. We'll catch you next time. Adios.